ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is not the undercard. This is not the sideshow. This is the main event. My name is Ryan Baldwin. Joined with me, fellow analyst, fellow lover of sports, my right-hand man sitting on my left-hand side, Mason Shepard. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, Mason. Today is October 27th. This marks the very first episode of the main event, the All Sports Podcast, where we get to sit and talk sports all day long. Yeah. come true. And I am super excited to be here with you uh, in the green studio at KNTU, deep in the heart of Denton, Texas. Wow. Wow. This is a solid intro, man. Hey, yeah. I've been practicing that one. You like that? <laughs> <laughs> I think it went off really well. Yeah. <laughs> Like I said, this is the main event, very first episode, and we are going to go ahead and dive right in because y'all aren't here to hear us chit-chat. Y'all want to hear about the sports. Yes. And we are just over halfway in college football and just under halfway in the NFL, so we're going to go ahead and average it out and call it a mid-season special here on yeah. the very first episode of the main event. I think that the math checks out there, I think. Yeah. That'll work. Mason... Top 25 here um, has got my head all kinds of just, I, I can't even process some of the stuff that's, <laughs> that's coming out here. Let's just start with the top four and go from there because I, I think we both have some opinions about these top four here. Georgia, Cincinnati, Alabama, Oklahoma. I think Georgia, Bama is fine, uh, but I know you have very strong opinions about Oklahoma, so why don't you let yeah, me hear it? Yeah, you know... Uh... Because I'm a Longhorns fan, and uh, they they did us wrong in that Red River showdown. But, no, we did ourselves wrong in that one. But, no, seriously, Oklahoma, they're not impressive to me. Spencer Radler, as I like to call him, Spencer Mediocre. You know, he's he is not someone that—it uh, was proven in the Texas game. He is not someone that, in my opinion, can lead a team. He's someone—you know, there are quarterbacks that can lead the team and play the, play the field. He's just on the field. He doesn't play the field. He's just on it. Right. And I think with, I mean, you saw that, like I said, with the Red River game where they put in Caleb Williams and Caleb Williams did a better job. But that's also because Texas is bad with uh, dual threat QBs. But, you know, I think with Oklahoma beyond their quarterback controversy, Oklahoma is just not really that impressive. I mean, look at the teams that they've played and look at what margins they've beaten them. It hasn't been handily like a real top four team. It's been, they've been squeaking by. Yep. And I think... With Oklahoma, they're overrated, man. I, I I just I don't see anything past that. Number four, give me a break. I agree. You you got a five point win over Tulane that you almost lost on a comeback. So you beat Nebraska by seven, West Virginia by three, Kansas State by six. Uh, just a heartbreaker uh, versus Texas, where you only won by seven. Your only real handy win was against TCU, and you should beat TCU if you're a top four team. Yes, but they haven't played anybody else that's particularly good. Um. And they haven't beaten the teams handily like you're seeing Alabama beat most of their teams handily or Georgia. Yeah. These teams that you're like, oh, yeah, okay. They're, they're taking yeah, care yeah, of business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're taking care of business. They're a top four team. Yeah, without a doubt. I, and plus, I mean, the, the first the first game that you said it just solidified our point, especially mine. They beat Tulane by five points. Tulane. What are they known for? Matt Forte? That's about it. People don't even know where, <laughs> people don't even know where Tulane is. New Orleans. 
When you think of Louisiana, what college team do you think of? LSU. But even we don't even have to do that because that's obvious. You <laughs> think of Louisiana Lafayette or the you know Louisiana Tech before you the think Asian Cajuns. You bro. think of them before you think of Tulane. Jesus. Oh, you just. I I don't know. I that has to be a just coming from a previous track record type deal, right? Something that they consider. In the top twenty-five, yes. the past uh, performances, yes, that's got to be where that's coming from because they do not look like that kind of team this year. No, they're not worth it. But because they have a tendency to draw money in the sense of people will want to see the best team in the Big Twelve go against the best team in the SEC or the best team in the Big Ten, they think OU is the best drawing card, so they put them there, and it's it's ridiculous in my opinion. Well, look at the games. Pretty soon their strength of schedule is going to go up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ours will do as Longhorns, but I can't wait. They're, they're going to be introduced to the SEC a lot more often. Yep. Um, the other team that we were kind of iffy about here, Cincinnati. Uh, AAC 7-0. and And really just, again, it's one of those things where their strength of schedule just kind of has me scratching my head about how you're number two. You beat Miami, Ohio. But... At least they beat all these teams fairly handily. Yeah. Uh, they beat Miami, Ohio by 35, Murray State by 35, uh, Indiana by 14. They had a quality win over Notre Dame. Yeah. They thrashed Temple and UCF and then beat Navy by a touchdown. But nothing about that screams number two in the nation to me. I think, and you know, the reason that is is because they're still not proven against a bigger school. Notre Dame is a big school, but let's face it, folks. Notre Dame is overrated. Notre Dame is, you know... It, they're not worth it. I think, and a lot of people would say Notre Dame is the Popeyes chicken sandwich of you know college football. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! What do you got against the, Popeyes, the Popeyes chicken, chicken sandwich. sandwich? And you know what? It, it's it, because it's good when when you've had nothing to eat. It's fine. It's good. But I know too many people who will readily choose over them, as as we've seen in these college football playoffs. You know, I'm not saying Chick Fil A's sandwich is better, but let's not act like Popeyes was great. Well, hold on, then. What kind of chicken sandwich are you gonna go for? I mean, hey, man, whichever one I'm feeling at the time. <laughs> that's just how my stomach works. But all right, seriously, just not Popeyes. <laughs> but no, it's in all seriousness. No, it, the reason for uh, that comparison and the reason for why I say that with Notre Dame and Cincy is because Notre Dame is one of those teams. Again, it's like OU. It's one of those teams that has proven that. Oh, we can beat people. I mean, Notre Dame didn't even have a conference, but we're one of those teams that can beat, you know, mediocre, mid-card, whatever type of teams. But when it comes to facing top-level teams, we lose. Notre Dame, like OU, has made it to the college football playoffs. And when they go against Bama, lose. When they go against Ohio State, they lose. When they go against Clemson, they lose. They have not proven that they can get it done. And I think, you know... It's just one of those things. But, you know, people go crazy with them like they did for the Popeye's chicken sandwich. They go nuts for them. They think that's the next big thing. And then, oh, it's, it's, it's just a greasy pile of chicken. Okay. Just looking at this top four makes me think how badly needed the expansion is for the college football playoff. Um, I know it was going to be 12 teams over the summer before they decided that they were with all the teams changing conferences, they were going to back off the deal and revisit it. Um, eight teams, I think seems okay. 12 seems a bit much, but it's gotta be more than four because if you look outside the top four, five, six, seven, eight is six and one Ohio state undefeated Michigan, six and one Oregon, seven and zero Michigan state. I think any four of those have at least a decent case to jump over Oklahoma, maybe Cincinnati, but 
we got to have more teams in the conf- uh, in the college football playoff. If no, if for no other reason, then it's getting real tiresome watching, you know, Alabama always takes up the slot. And then yep. you have Ohio State and, like, OU and Clemson. Not this year, but nope. uh, all these teams that basically get guaranteed a spot up top or close to it. Yeah, It's just maddening to watch every single year. And then we really need that expansion to include some of these teams that, you know, Maybe they make a run. Yeah, at, at, like we saw, see a lot of times in the uh, March Madness tournament, we see these teams where it's not necessarily the number one team in the country. No, nope. it's whatever team is hot and whatever team is streaking and feeling good at the time. And I think college football would benefit a lot from that. And especially because, man, you look at this schedule coming up for the rest of these big team teams, the Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State specifically, they've all got to play each other. Yep. Does that's that mean, what the, that's where we find out who's real and who's not. Yeah, but like if all of them, if they each beat each other, right? Should I? Should any of them be like if Michigan's one loss is to like Ohio State? Does that put them out of top four? It probably would, but I would argue that they'd still be better probably than OU or Cincinnati. You see, that's where I would, they be. They would be better than Cincinnati. This is where I would disagree. Michigan is. I mean, let us face it. In college football, you have a lot of teams that are overrated. And I think with Michigan, if they lose to Ohio State, they don't need to be in the top four because that once again proves they can't even get past their big brother. They can't get past them. And I think if you are not expected to beat them and they're not as good as Alabama, don't get me wrong, Ohio State is not as good as Bama or Georgia, in my opinion. They never really have been except when Zeke was there and they went all the way and won it. But when you... Think of a team that can really beat Ohio State. You don't even think of Michigan past this point. You would really give Michigan State more of a chance, and even that's somewhat laughable. But I think when we get at Michigan, their biggest problem is what what are what is Michigan? Re- I mean, what is Michigan really going to do when playing someone that's worth something greater than the teams in the Big Ten? Because let's face it, the Big Ten is one of the most, if not the most, inconsistent conference in college football. Iowa. Wisconsin, Minnesota, teams like that who rise from the ashes one year and then they fall back down into obscurity or in the middle of the year they just forget that they were a football team. (laughs) Then you have Penn State. Oh, Penn State always starts out so well. And then after the halfway point, Penn State just forgets who they are and that they are capable of winning football games. And then you have Ohio State, the team that produces – the worst quarterbacks in the NFL, or at least some of them, and they are just not something that they're not something to brag about either. They're they're just not. So even though Ohio State always gets put there, and like you said, yes, it's always either Bama or Georgia or Oklahoma or Ohio State. They're they're always there, but do they really deserve to be? In my opinion, maybe Cincinnati hasn't proved themselves, but I would much rather prefer Cincinnati. And even though I'm talking crap about them, I would want to see Michigan in that point or whatever because I'm tired of all these same four teams being there. I'm tired of them. I, yeah, the expansion would just be, if, for no other reason, it gives more teams a chance to dethrone. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if, uh, you know, let's just say 19-ranked SMU beats Cincinnati, they probably don't go up into the top four. No. It'd be a solid win, but... I just don't see them getting up that high based on the rest of their schedule. But should they be, you know, they would be in a top eight or top 12 and have a chance. And who knows, you know, I, what that, that kind of situation creates 
Cinderella storylines and miracle runs that you wouldn't otherwise get to see. And then, like you said, you're stuck with the four teams that just play each other constantly in the college football playoff because of past uh, performance. Yep. And it, they just start off at, like, Bama starts off at one every year. Are they always number one every year? No. You, no. But because of what Saban's built there, they start at number one. I'm thinking, why not just start everybody at zero and just kind of free-for-all from there? I would love to see that. It, it Because this is the thing, and this is why March Madness will always be better than the college football playoffs. Obviously, it will be. It's been going on longer. But the reason it's still a lot better is because it's unpredictability. Mm-hmm. You don't, you can't say when the season starts or halfway, oh, um, you know, Michigan State will come back and win the basket. No, no, you don't know who's going to win. Villa, It could be Villanova. It could be... St. John, it could be Richmond, it could be anybody, yeah. Gonzaga, it could be anybody you could conceivably think of. Yeah, you have those teams that make the tournament all the time. Yes. But having to win, what is it, six games in a row? Yeah. In a best of one is much harder than just having to win two. And you just got to show up two weeks. Yeah. But, and that's it. Well, then again, you, you can't really play, you know, and I know you're not suggesting this, but it wouldn't be really smart to play a, a, a six-game series in, in football. That's no, no. that's You're not going to be able to play six in a row just no. from a scheduling standpoint. That's and, ludicrous. Yeah. No, that, that would never happen. But I just think that as far as what you were talking about, Cincinnati or SMU, the reason I disagree with you in that they would be get that what uh, either one of them would stay in the number four, excuse me, or, or in SMU's case, get there, is because... It's just what you said, that Cinderella story. And what would a Cinderella story draw? Ratings. And what do networks care about? Ratings. And they would put them They would put them in there because of the fact that, well, we would get eyes on it. People would want to see what they could do, and we could make a lot of money. And that's the reason, honestly, I hate the college football playoffs personally, and I hate the ranking system because it's all about popularity contests and who can we put against who that's going to make the networks money. I want to see just. I just want to see who's the best teams. I see. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go ahead and disagree with you on that one. We can debate it a little bit here, but let let's just say current trends continue, and you have Georgia, Bama, and the only time they're going to play each other is the conference championship. Yeah. No matter which one wins, they're one. They're they're one. They're both in the top four. Yes. I don't think that's debatable. I think it, no. Unless they drop another game, one of them, then I think you're they're one and four somewhere. Yep. Um. Then. If SMU beats Cincinnati, who do you have them jump over? If Ohio State beats Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State, three more ranked teams, you're going to put SMU over Ohio State and have... Yeah, I would. Personally, yeah. It goes back to what I said. Ohio State is expected to beat them because they do every year. Penn State chokes. Michigan doesn't beat them. And who else did you say that Ohio State has to play that's ranked? Uh, Michigan State. Exactly. Look... The the reason why I would put SMU in there, it is nothing to do with ratings. It's nothing to do with Cinderella stories. It's because of the fact that they would be something new for one. Two, it would just be that let's see what they could do because and because it's not because I want to put teams in there that they're not. Um, you know, of course I have to earn it, obviously, but they're not expected to be there. Ohio State, what you just said is a typical Buckeyes fan thinking we've beaten them before. Why can't we beat them again? There is no. Oh, shock value to them beating Penn State. Been there, done that. There's no shock value to beating Michigan State. Been there, done that. There's no shock value in Michigan failing to beat them. Been there, done that. There's nothing about Ohio State season that says they've earned it. 
besides just the record. There's nothing that says that. I'd say the same thing about SMU except for them beating Cincinnati, but Cincinnati has only had one quality win, too. We talked about that. So I don't know how they jump up that high from being Cincinnati. And again, not that I don't want them to be that high. I think that it would be good for smaller schools. Well, could be good and bad. If they go out there yeah. and get absolutely thrashed by Alabama in the first round and the, for the rest of you know, I like the next decade. I like how you said could. Like, we the, both know yeah. that won't happen. The, the next decade is going to be like, oh, yeah, well, you remember when SMU played Bama and got absolutely destroyed, so we're not going to put an AAC team in there because they're clearly not on SEC level. Well, they wouldn't anyway. And let, let's be real. Yeah, it would be nice to see that. And no, I'm not going to give Ohio State that because, again, those are teams they're expected to be. In my opinion, the reason why I think my position would be better than seeing Ohio State in there is because with my position, let's see the teams prove themselves instead of, okay, these teams have beaten the same, this team has beaten the same three teams that it beats every year to get to this point. What What's new? So, no, I would much rather give a team a chance and have them prove themselves than, oh, Ohio State beat Penn State, they beat Michigan State, they beat Michigan. Didn't they do that last year? Yep. I, I don't see the value in that. Yeah. Is there any uh, team in the top 25 here that you are just kind of shaking your head about besides, you know, we've, we talked about the top four, but anything further down? Uh, well, uh, we talked about this off off air, but uh, UTSA, that's 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 hilarious. Uh, I know you have a real vendetta against Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina, man. <laughs> I cannot believe, I can't believe this team made it to top 15 in the country at one point. They have beaten absolutely nobody. They beat the Citadel. Kansas was their best win, and it's Kansas. Yeah, it's, it's a basketball, Kansas, school. basketball school. Buffalo, UMass, University of Louisiana, Louisiana Monroe, Arkansas State, and then they lost to Appalachian State. Their strength of schedule is nothing. Can we say strength of schedule in that context? They, they their schedule or yeah, lack exactly. of strength, they're, they're lack their weakness of, of schedule, exactly, is uh, I and oh, God, that was another thing that just annoyed me to no end about the. The top 25 ranking is the undefeated teams basically get a freebie into the top 25, whether they deserve it or not. And we saw it with we see, saw it with Coastal Carolina before this week. Yep. And we see it now with UTSA, who has also beaten absolutely nobody. And we know this because they're in the Conference USA. Nobody. With nobody. Absolutely nobody. My thing is also, why, why is BYU even on this list. Why is BYU on here? Why is San Diego State 21? It's ridiculous. They're 7-0. It's the, it's the, you're undefeated. And I mean, it have... was more rhetorical, but yeah, no, yeah. exactly. Wake Forest is on here. Now, now you tell me, Ryan, my, my, co my, my colleague, <laughs> the podcasting lion, Ryan uh -huh. over here, please tell me who Wake Forest, San Diego State, and UTSA, and Coastal Carolina, and BYU can legitimately beat besides each other. Please tell me. Uh, how about how about this? You you read off the Wake Forest wins real quick, and I'll tell you if there is any quality wins there that would put them up in the top four. <laughs> oh God! You know what? It's, this this is Wake Forest. Oh gee. Oh boy. Let let's let let's look at Wake Forest. You you know how many times someone has said let's look at Wake Forest? Uh, this is probably the first time in the history of broadcasting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Unless they're talking about the basketball. Here's team. their schedule. So I'll I'll stop you when I see a quality win over a good team. All right. Match up in so, the rest of the top twenty-five. So where we where we're gonna start with Wake Forest? Mm -hmm. um, getting the stats here. So Wake Forest, Tulane, three nope. to seven. Really? Nope. Wake Forest twenty-four over Duke. Twenty-four to fourteen over Duke. Are you sure? Are you looking at this year? 
Oh, my bad. Yeah. The, the, my here. bad. My I bad, folks. <laughs> He's, it's it's scrolling. This is th still. That's how far back you have to go to find a yeah, exactly. Wake Forest quality win. Okay. Here, yeah. Here's the here's this year. It was Old Dominion first, right? Old Dominion first. Yeah. 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 Who cares? Not a quality win. Old Dominion, Norfolk State. Nope. Oh, God. Florida State. Not this year. Virginia. Absolutely not. Louisville. Again, not this year. Syracuse. Eh. Army. Nope. And now that they've got Duke coming up. Nope. Let let's just let's just sit on that for a minute. Do do do. do really, the, this is honestly ridiculous. I actually okay. Is the ACC even a? I know it's still technically a Power Five, but Clemson was the only thing keeping them a Power Five, and oh, now yeah. they're not that anymore. The because, ACC is not a Power Five conference in terms of quality of teams anymore. Let me explain to you the two teams that keep the ACC going afloat. Okay, when Miami does well people pay attention when Clemson does well people pay attention when North Carolina I changed my mind three teams when North Carolina does well people pay attention when those two when those three teams don't do anything who pays attention nobody nobody because the ACC is nothing without someone to carry them mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a fact and speaking of someone to carry them Oregon is back in in the top 25 again how many times, and ladies and gentlemen, it's only been two, have we seen Oregon get to the dance and lose? Uh, I'm going to guess two. Exactly. Okay. There we go. Smart boy. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, there are teams in here. They've got no business being in here. I will say that if there was a uniform championship, no, Oregon, I know that's right. Oregon has, <laughs> except for... This past week where they, they were supposed to be like duck eggs. I don't know if you saw that, and it was speckled yeah, and weird. It, nah. That one threw me off. But other than that, they have some of the cleanest uniforms. So maybe they take that into consideration. Oh, no, Oregon's uniform. I think that's the only, people, only reason people watch them is because their uniforms look so good. Unfortunately, football is not a fashion contest. But you know but you know what? I will have to give also the uniform award also to kind of Oklahoma State. They look nice with the stuff that they do. I have to give them credit. Mm -hmm. But they don't win anything either. No. But – you know, I, it kind of depends. Well, the best part about talking about college football is that none of this is going to matter nope. <laughs> in about four weeks. None of it. Uh, all of this could change. You've got the Big Ten bloodbath, which is going to be Ohio State versus Michigan versus Michigan State, um, and that'll completely change things up. And whoop de doo Bama and Georgia will play each other. O OU doesn't necessarily have a walk-in-the-park schedule. Um, and all this is going to be changed here in about three, four weeks when we hit conference championship time. And... God, I can't wait to look no, at it again. No, I can't wait to look I at that. I will, I will revisit it then, but I think it's going to look completely different in about four weeks. And I, I love college football, man. There's yeah, it's, so it's much so to good. talk about. So good. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back because we're going to have the other half of our football preview. It's going to be the NFL, or the midseason review. It's going to be in the NFL, and things just keep getting spicier week after week. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the main event. We are still talking football because football is, in fact, the state religion of Texas, and therefore, we must talk about it. Yep. Just under midseason, and 
boy, I tell you, it's a tale of two conferences right now because the AFC looks like anybody can beat anybody, and the NFC looks very top-heavy. Yep, for once. I don't know how we're going to figure out the AFC, but let's just start with the hometown boys because that's easy. Yep. Our Dallas Cowboys. Yep. How about them Cowboys? Coming off the bye week, sitting 5-1. and one. Yep. 3-0 and oh in the conf- in, uh, division. Yep. No, 2-0 and oh in division. I apologize. Yeah. Um, but still a firm lead uh, in the division and primed to actually win it because the rest of the NFC East is just not good at all. NFC least. It, 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 it's now the NFC least minus one because I think the Cowboys have proved they're not part of the least. <laughs> Right. But Washington, uh, the defense has not shown up, and Heineke has looked okay, pretty shaky. Uh, Philadelphia is uh, a mess, absolute mess. It's Philly. Jalen Hurts does not look like the quarterback that everyone thought he was going to be this year. Uh, they've had a bunch of issues um, with their coaching staff, and then the Giants are even worse off with injuries because they lost like half their offensive starters. Good. Man, it, it looks... I, and I hate to say this because it's the Cowboys, but it is wide open for them in the NFC East. If we don't kick that door open, if we don't—I mean, no, this is the thing. Okay, so for one, I am really proud of Dallas. Uh, not Mike McCarthy, but Dallas. <laughs> um, I'm very proud of Dallas so far. I think that we are—because it's for so long, man, and this this takes stats out of it. Dallas has not played like a team that wants to win. They have played like players who are happy to get a paycheck. You know, excuse me, Jalen Smith, who they just let go when he got his money after like one successful year, didn't do anything else. Tank Lawrence, who's the he is the poster child for that because once he got his money, where was he? And I understand, yeah, I mean, I understand getting double, but so does Aaron Donald. And, and, and look at him, greatest defensive player in the league for the last few years. You know, so when it comes down to playing with intensity, playing with purpose, playing with emotion, Dallas is finally doing it. And Dak Prescott is, in my opinion, the person to thank because him coming back revitalized that team. And he has shown that he is going to put his foot down. He's going to keep his foot on the gas. And he is going to do what's best for Dallas. And I'm glad that the NFC least minus one is – tanking because i'm not going to say they all deserve to but let's face it washington wasn't going to win anything philly wasn't going to win anything and the giants are the giants do i need to say anything to that no i just think with dallas in my opinion we're always the better equipped team we just don't play like it we always can beat philly we always can beat the giants we can always beat washington we can always win games we just don't act like it well, the flip side of that is that I'm still not convinced that we've shaken that yet. Ryan, we you're have, never convinced. I'm never convinced until we get to week 18. Which, I mean, I can't blame you. I can't say that I'm all look, the way on it, but I'm just going to ride this thing look, out and enjoy it. I've I've grown up with plenty of Cowboys teams where you think, oh, man, we're looking good. This is the year. We're going to make a run. And then all of a sudden you're sitting at the end of the season going, how did we get here? We missed the playoffs completely. And I, I regret those days. I think the really interesting thing is that you actually, for the Cowboys schedule, you don't have really any key games until you hit week 14. That is your next divisional game. And you have Washington, which is your only team that you haven't faced yet in the division. Yeah. Then you have the Giants. Then you have Washington again. So you theoretically could wrap up playoff spot 
by week 16. Well, with two wins I over mean, Washington or Washington. Now, one, Washington. where I will disagree with you on that is the game we've got coming up at Minnesota this week is is very key because, and, and for many reasons, Dallas is not good coming off of bye weeks, and Minnesota just came off of one. And I think with Minnesota, yeah, they're mediocre, but when they're at home and they've got that crowd and that horn and they're going insane, Minnesota knows how to play, and they just got Dalvin Cook back. And Dallas is, we've got the number one running defense, but we're going against a top-tier running back, and we're going to see how that holds up. So I would say Minnesota's very key. Also, I mean, we have, we've got the Raiders on Thanksgiving. Now, we don't know where the Raiders are going to be yet, but at the same time, they're playing good football once they got Chucky out of there. Um, so I just think that, you know, I would I would like to be in that mindset of the divisional games is where it lies, but we've got so many other games. Like, yeah, we'll beat the Broncos, and yes, we'll beat the Falcons. And yes, I think we can beat the Chiefs with the rate that they're going. But when we've got the Vikings at home, we've got the Raiders on Thanksgiving. I don't know, man. I, I think we've still got a few more games to go before well, we can talk about that. I just think the fact that you have a three-game lead in hand already is oh, yeah. dangerous because, like I said, you don't have to win. Theoretically, you could lose the next six weeks and then beat Washington twice, and you've got the division essentially wrapped up and are going to the playoffs in yep. that. So that's what I mean by like the these games are not necessarily not key because they theoretically could be uh, home field advantage seating type games. Yeah, you know? especially if you're having you're going to play Arizona week seventeen, which that is could very be, scary. That could be theoretically for number one in the NFC. So it's yeah. not that they're not key games. That's just I worry because coming off a of bye week where you have a three game lead um, in the division or out for for non divisional games and are still up two and zero oh, and you don't have your next divisional game until week 14 i can see it being very easy to kind of like take your foot off the gas you know be feel start feeling comfortable and that's the trap that's where you start dropping games you shouldn't badly and that's when you you know maybe you go in and all of a sudden if washington picks up a couple of wins against in the division all of a sudden you're looking at a division that's again kind of narrowed down yeah you know i, I agree with you on that i think the thing for me and why i choose to maintain the belief that you know that Dallas could wrap this up only is because um, it's what you just said. I want Dallas from here on out to play with the one game at a time mentality. I want them to think about, we got Minnesota Sunday night. We've got the Broncos. We've got the Falcons. We've got the Chiefs, you know, because Dallas for a long time plays, in my opinion, and I think this is a word, I think this is a phrase that nobody has said. Dallas had for a long time has played like how sports fans talk. They, they 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 play like oh we've got we've got the Broncos we can beat them we're not worried we're gonna look past them no focus on them and beat them because the way I knew that Dallas is not playing like we speak is when they face Tampa and everybody was like oh Dallas is gonna get blown out and we could have won that game yep it was it we could have right won it. it and I think that's that's showing that oh Dallas wants to play football they want to win you know we're still not perfect Mike McCarthy but you know I I think with with, with the way that we're going and the way we've got that one game at a time kind of focus, I just really hope coming off this bye week, Dallas did not waste their time. Because we all, if you've seen Hard Knocks, we all know how the Dallas Cowboys like to get ready for football games. and It's, it's not necessarily the best, in my opinion. Coaches are not motivators. Even Skip and Shannon said that. Well, man, the bye week, the most important part of the bye week, obviously, is whether Dak has been healed up. 
All not worried about it. He's not worried. Team's not worried. I'm not worried. Um, he does not have an official practice designation. He went through an extended warm-up prior to practice, but did not take part in individual footwork drills for practice. Good. Um, so I, there's nothing that says he's not going to play, and I think he's such a big part of the team that he pretty much has to play, unless they're looking at it going like, you know, it's the Vikings in a game that may not necessarily mean that much if we rest them another week. Is there anything that... Uh... If they did that, they're idiots. No, no, <laughs> no. I, like I said, yes, losing to Minnesota is not the worst thing in the world, but no, no, because this is what I mean when I say Dallas is playing, we'll, we'll be playing like how sports fans talk because a sports fan like us could say, oh, they could just rest Dak that another week and just, you know, have Cooper Rush out there and he could play against Minnesota. No. Put Dak on there. We don't need to be playing like, okay, everything, Super Bowl's next week and we're going. No. Have him play Minnesota. Have him go against that defense. Have him have that defense ready to stop Dalvin Cook. You know, I know that's not particularly to Dak, but I'm just saying, get the starters out there. Play. Do not waste time thinking, oh, well, we can't. No, because because if you want to say that, we could rest Dak for until the Chiefs because – do we? Re you could say, do we really need him for the Broncos? Do we really need him for the Falcons? No, but at the same time, those are games. I would rather Dallas win as many games as they can versus, well, if we lose this, it doesn't matter. No, just win. That's all. Just win. I don't care what you do, but win. Fair. W's make the money in the NFL. Yep. There are no moral victories. Mm, as we nope. talked about during the Tampa Bay game when it was like, oh, we all Okay, that's where I disagree. Yeah, there there uh, was definitely a moral victory. That the, the the moral victory does not get you in the playoffs. Yeah, well, it does kind of give your team the swift kick in the dumper that they need. So the rest of the NFC is pretty tightly contested until you get down to the last wild card spot. Uh Arizona leading the NFC West. And just a bloodbath of a of a division. They're seven and zero with the number one seed. Tampa Bay six and one, leading the NFC South. Uh, Green Bay Packers six and one, leading the NFC North. Oh God! And then obviously our boys leading the NFC East. And then Saints uh, are four, or the Rams and the Saints are five six, with the Vikings currently in the last wild card spot because we have that additional uh, wild card spot this year again after they did it last year. That, that is a stacked, stack NFC. That is very top-heavy. I look at all those teams going like, maybe not the Saints or the Vikings, but at least one through five, I'm like, I don't want to play any of those guys in the playoffs. The worst team that you said that was 6-1 and one was, was Green Bay. I hate, whenever I hear <laughs> Green Bay leading, I hate it. I hate, I hate hearing that because... That is the last team I need Dallas to be facing right now. We do not have a good history with Green Bay. No, we don't. Whether that's by refs or whether it's just by we're just not good enough. No, it, I, no, I hate that. It does set up the juicy playoff ma uh, matchup, though, with McCarthy versus uh, Rodgers and the Packers. I Look, I have a strong inclination that Dallas will have to face Green Bay in the playoffs because— the football gods will just put that together. Now, will the football gods be in our favor? Who knows? But I, I, this is why I want Dallas to be focused on winning because Green Bay, and that's why I want Dallas to win as many games as they can because if Green Bay comes to Jerry World, that's going to be a lot better than us having to go to Lambeau. Yep. So, and we know what happened the last time we went out there. Um. So, no, I, I, I but I hate hearing 
Yeah. That Green Bay is successful. I hate it. That last uh, wild card spot. The Vikings are three and three. Falcons are three and three. Chicago Bears are three and four. Panthers are three and four. Um, it's going to be kind of a uh, whatever team can figure it out and get it together first is going to get that last wild card spot because the Rams. Man, I, I feel bad for the Rams. They're six and one, and their one loss is to Arizona. Yeah, and they're sitting there going like, "Man, we're good enough to win our division, but we got to go against Arizona twice." Yeah, no. Um, first of all, the teams that you just named, it will not be Atlanta because Atlanta, no, they they can't they can't win anything. Um, it will not be Carolina. I don't think so either. I just I like Sam Darnold to start, but he's just and we I after the first three games, I was like, see. I told all y'all that it was the Jets that was the problem. It wasn't Darnold. Uh-huh. And then what does he do? Uh-huh. He shows that he was the he may have actually been part of the problem. Uh-huh. So now I don't know what to think, but I'm yeah, not, yeah. I'm you're not eating, told you're on eating crow yet. on that one, buddy. Yeah. And, um. But is it the Bears? No. No. God, no. 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 Justin Fields needs at least another year. But I just don't know. Like, at one of the teams is going to have to win, right? Well, I mean, they can't not take a seventh team. Well, well, yeah, 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 I know. So one, but it, one but team's going to have to figure it out. Well, I mean, so, so name the teams off again. Um, okay, so you've got like four teams that are within a game of each other for the last wild card spot. Yeah. Minnesota Vikings, Atlanta Falcons, Chicago Bears, and Carolina Panthers. I give it I give it to Minnesota. I, I think Minnesota, because Minnesota, like I said, they may not always play the best. They may be mediocre. I mean, let's face it, Minnesota made the dumb decision to go with the guy who's mostly known for his catchphrases than his plays on the field. And all the guy said was, you like that, and people thought it was the greatest thing they'd ever heard. <laughs> um, but I will give that to Minnesota. Minnesota usually does have a good quality defense, and their running game is very good. And that opens up to passes to Adam Thielen, who is a phenomenal wide receiver. And I think when you look at all these other teams, and we're not just going off of you know things that are not stat-related, you look at Atlanta. And they're 3-4, and four, but Atlanta is one of – they're one of the worst in all the categories. They're not good on run defense. They're not good on uh, pass defense. They're very bad on offense on the offensive side of the ball, especially in the running game. And when you look at Carolina, the quarterback controversy, Sam Darnold is Sam Darnold. And yes, I emphasize that for you, Ryan. And (laughs) I think one of the things that can halt Chicago is Chicago is another instance of young quarterback, kind of young-ish team. And at the same time, it's Chicago. And they can't get past Green Bay. And I don't think they could beat Minnesota. They could beat Detroit all day long. But then again, I I think, you know, one of our high school teams here could beat Detroit. So... (laughs) I, I bet Coastal Carolina could beat. Detroit. Oh yeah, yeah, Coastal <laughs> you know Carolina could do it. Yeah, give it to Coastal Carolina. That that may get them into the into a bowl game right there, buddy. But no, seriously, I, I would give it to Minnesota strictly because I think Minnesota is more equipped with the right frame of mind. Like I said, they've got one of the best run defenses in in, in the NFL right now. They're not like top ten, but I think they're like you know the 15, 16 like rank ish. But I think with the way other teams play, especially with the teams you just named. I have to give it to Minnesota. Yeah, I think. Well, they, I think I agree. They're definitely in the best position to. Yeah. But at this point in the season, seven games in, it's really more about what team takes advantage of the position. You know, the Carolina could win three straight games, and Minnesota could lose three straight, and all of a sudden you're looking at uh, Carolina having the edge there. So yeah, it it at this point in the season is going to come down to who can figure it out and put the better product on the field because that is super tightly contested and I'm not ready to call it just yet uh, yeah. for any one team. It'll I mean, I mean, cause the, the Vikings right here, I'm looking at the Vikings. I mean, they're, they're number eight in offense right now. 
It's a good offense. It's a good it? offense. They ate an offense, yeah. and the defense has only allowed 16 passing touchdowns. Yeah. So they, they are primed to take that last spot. Now, I don't think that they're going to make a run at the division. They, they are 3-3, three and three, <laughs> and they'd have to beat the Packers twice. So I don't, God, no, I don't think Ryan, that's, no. that's definitely not an option. No, Aaron Rodgers is on fire, as he should be, because the Packers organization is filled with morons who decided to draft Jordan Love. No, God, no. He's on a tear. He's coming for people's heads. And there's no way the Vikings are going to do anything to stop that. Right. So No way. You're looking at basically the wild card spot, and hope, you're maybe hoping you catch Jameis and the Saints and don't have to play uh, or can go higher than seventh. Uh, but I think it's tough right now. Um, the AFC now. Wow. This is... So here's here's one through seven, and they are all within one game of each other. All yep. right? Cincinnati, number one. Wow. Las Vegas, number two. Wow. Tennessee Titans, three. Huh. Bills, four. Ravens, five. Chargers, six. Cleveland Browns, seven. And even Pittsburgh is like a game behind... Cleveland. So I'm not surprised by that. And then 9, 10, 11, and 12 are all three and four. So they're basically two games behind. Yeah. This divi- this this conference is I don't even know I don't I don't know how to call this conference anymore. Uh, this is call crazy. It, call it the NFC of today because you know that the, usually the roles are reversed yes. in this and it's the AFC that's top heavy and mm-hmm. the NFC is the one with teams who are just like all over the place and scatterbrained. I would say more so that when it comes down to the AFC, for one, people are, people in Ohio must be ecstatic right now because they've got the Bengals and the Browns doing something. It's, Man, it's incredible. The Bengals have been just ridiculously good, more so than I than I think anybody gave them credit for. To start it's the, the Bengals, okay? When your catchphrase is who day, you, you can kind of get a feel for What's like the how, difference between who day and who dat though. With who dat, that gets more res- that's more respectable. And plus, it's New Orleans. Can you not see uh, someone from Louisiana saying who dat just in everyday life? No, but I, I live down in Baton Rouge for a year, and even in Baton Rouge, I got people yelling at me who dat whenever I wear a Cowboys jersey. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's oh, that's my that's territory. my point. Who who day? Come on. The ba- but there's no denying that the uh, I think. Speaking of New Orleans, I'm sure they have a little bit of love for the Bengals with uh, Joe Burrow and oh, yeah. Jamar Chase being up there and absolutely lighting it up. But Bayou they, Bengals, yeah, they thrashed the Ravens because absolutely tortured. because the Ravens. Because let me tell you, the two teams that got found out are the Ravens and the Chiefs. The Chiefs have been figured out because those teams. The Ravens, they're showing big flaws in their offense, especially when it comes to Lamar. And the Ravens are just, they're like Clemson in the sense, Clemson 2018, well, they'll take a beating in the first half and they'll try to come back. And the Bengals didn't let them. At, and they were at home, which makes it even greater. And with the with the Chiefs, they just got figured out because the Bucks showed how you beat them. You beat them when you get pressure on Mahomes and you shut any type of running game that they could have down. And you make Mahomes have to throw passes over and over again to the point he can't do all his trick shot stuff and i think it's uh it's a little bit of a vicious cycle out in kansas city right um the defense is banged up and definitely not as good as the past few seasons so even the past few seasons the defense wasn't that good true but they were at least good enough yeah now it's like you go out in the first quarter first possession you get scored on mahomes like oh man okay but then you go three and out because you know you you go three and out sometimes in football and it happens 
But then you know when your defense goes back out there and gives up another score, now it's 14-0 to and it's still the first quarter. And now you saw this with Mahomes in the game uh, this past week where he was pushing way too hard to try and make plays. Yeah, The interception was a terrible throw into coverage. The fumble was one where he could have slid. He was well past the first down. But he was trying to make a play and trying to do too much, and he got the ball taken away from him instead. And when you can't rely... I mean, Cowboys fans know this all too well. Oh, God. When you can't rely on your defense to make a stop, it just compounds on itself because you keep having to try harder on offense to make a play. Yeah. And it's what we're familiar with it. And when now we're seeing the Chiefs fans are going like, oh, what? I, I don't know what this is. You know, I think one of the things we're, we're seeing with Patrick Mahomes is uh, he's not, in my opinion, he's not very good under pressure. I'm not talking about just pressure from a defense. He's not good mentally when he has to take over a game. And I think that's what will separate him from being a Brady or a Rodgers. When the game is on their backs, they can handle it. No problem. I think um, it is different when you have when you have confidence in a defense. Where you're, it, It's one thing to have confidence in like, man, okay, if I mess up, the defense still has like a 50-50 shot to hold. Whereas you're going like, okay, I've got to score. Otherwise, we're going to you know, definitely give up. At least seven. Yeah, but I would I would strictly up. apply that more to Rodgers than I would Brady. There's nothing about a New England defense that's been super spectacular besides well, Stephon there's Gilmore. At least a couple of Super Bowl teams where they no, no, had no, no, a solid. No, 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 I'm not saying that they've been bad, but I'm just saying it's it's like what you just said, solid. This isn't yeah. like Carolina or Denver where the no. defense carried them. No, but, but as I mean, as the Cowboys have shown this year, you don't have to have a good defense. You yeah, have yeah, to exactly. have a, an, an acceptable, but, an but, average defense. But that's what my, that's what my point is. New England's defenses have been good. They've 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 been I would go on beyond exceptional, but they they've been good. But when Brady was winning, sometimes the game would be down to him, and you couldn't count on the defense. With Rodgers, I give him a little less credit in and only a little bit in that regard because he had a Clay Matthews, he had um, you know some of the bigger guys up front, and I just think and the secondary wasn't that bad. But I think when you look at someone like Patrick Mahomes, like you said, who doesn't have that with Mahomes, it's more of a fact of it it it's on the offense. You know that as soon as you step on the field, it yeah. is on the offense. Yeah. It's not on anybody but them. And I think when you can't, and I think when you go in knowing that, I think this kind of zaps your confidence, really, because that's what I've just seen from Mahomes. He's not playing with the usual swagger or confidence he has. Something has him really mentally frazzled, and I think it's the fact that he knows if I don't play well, we lose. Not a, no, at this point, he's like, if I don't do Superman style left-handed throws that we're not going to win. Yeah. I think he knows that because the defense has shown that they can't hold anybody. Yeah. And I do think that, yeah, I agree with you. I think that makes a big difference in, in the psychology of it. Um, Cause like right now, if you say, okay, Brady, you're going to, you know, we need you to score. It's a tie game. Brady's going like, okay, I'm going to score because I'm Tom Brady. Yes. But he's also not thinking in the back of his head. is like, man, I have got to score because otherwise the defense is giving up seven and we're going to lose. The perfect perfect example is the Super Bowl against Atlanta. Martellus Bennett, who I'm a fan of, gave a great story. He said when they went into the hat, when, when, when they went into the locker room at halftime, nobody was frazzled. Nobody was like, oh my gosh, Atlanta's kicking our butts. What are we going to do? They all were just like Tom in the sense of we're going to go out and we're going to play football. And they won. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying. Even if teams score, a perfect example, when the when the Bucks defense didn't hold Dallas, 
when we went down and scored, but we left time on the clock because, again, Mike McCarthy, everybody, um, what did Tom do? He went down the field. Like I said, it doesn't bother him, and it's for the reason you just said. He's not thinking, this is on me, this is on me. He's just like, let's let's play football. And it's the same thing with Aaron Rodgers. He's not thinking, this is on me, this is on me. He's thinking, let's just go play football. And with Patrick Mahomes, he still, I don't think, have that has that uh, veteran maturity yet of, this isn't on me, let's just go play football. He's still thinking, this is on me, mm-hmm. this is on me, I've got to do my thing or else we lose. If you have to pick a Super Bowl matchup now, we're halfway, just about halfway through the season. You had you had to bring this question back, didn't you? I did because you knew with Sports Zone when you asked me the first week, I wasn't going to answer. Uh, it. I know, but now that <laughs> now that we're halfway through the season, uh, I feel yeah, like yeah. it merits like, an answer. Yeah, yeah. so for, for me, um, as far as uh, as far as the AFC goes, I would still want to give it to Buffalo. Here's why: Buffalo, when the when the season when the games get colder. And the games get have more uh, have more weight to them. Buffalo shows up, and if it's not Buffalo, I will also say um, uh, no, nobody from nobody from uh, the Bengals division because they they're just not reliable to me. I think honestly this year could be between Buffalo and Tennessee because again those are teams that when the games start meaning more, they I mean since I mean not since. Well, technically Cincinnati did too, but t- Tennessee routed the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. So I think when you give Tennessee that opportunity, they could take it. But I will say AFC side Buffalo, and on the NFC side, this isn't to be biased, but I uh, think if we if we keep it going, if we keep it moving, we keep it moving. Cowboys, Cowboys, Bills, we're doing it again. Cowboys, Bills, Cowboys, just, Bills, just like the '80s, right? Cowboys, Bills, because I think, and the reason I say that is because Dallas has proven. If we can beat the reigning Super Bowl champ, well, we didn't beat them, but if we could almost beat the reigning Super Bowl champions, and if we can go to New England and win, if we can go to here and win, there is no reason why Dallas should not have the faith, not the false fan faith that, you know, fans like you and I talk about every year, or our good buddy Alec, but <laughs> fan, but faith that, oh, we can really win games. And if they can, I don't see why not. I mean, look. If you can almost beat Tom Brady, which, again, almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, I know that. I don't see why you can't apply that logic, but better in saying we can actually beat them to someone like Aaron Rodgers. I don't see why you can't do that because we're going to have to play them at some point. Oh, yeah. I think I, – I say we go Dallas Bills. Go Bills and, and the Cowboys. I can't wait to see that one. I am going to probably get quite a bit of flack for this. Oh, you will because I'm sitting here. Go ahead and say it. AFC is going to be won by the Cincinnati Bengals. No. Yes. No. And let me tell you why. Okay. I watch the mic'd up videos, the compilations they do, you know, uh, that the <laughs> NFL puts out. Now, hold on. Hold okay, on. Okay. I know you're laughing. Yeah. <laughs> I watch the mic'd up every week, and I believe it was two weeks ago, Joe Burrow was the one mic'd up. And yeah. I think it was when they, it was after the Jacksonville game. Yeah. And this kid who is in his second year in the NFL, really his his rookie year because his rookie year was cut, cut short, short yeah. yeah, said at one point, I think the game was tied, and he's like, all right, I'm done with this. I'm going to go take over. Those were the exact words out of his mouth, and they have it recorded. And you know what he did? He went and he took over. 
that is something that you don't see from second-year quarterbacks. That is something you see from a veteran quarterback full of confidence that's won a couple of titles or a couple of conference championships. That is something that a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers or something, that, that that's the kind of mentality that you need to go far in the playoffs. The rest of the team around him actually looks good. Jamar Chase has figured it out and is turning into a very handy, maybe already locked up rookie of the year. I know that's all, it's pretty early, but yeah. he's got the most receiving yards through the first seven games of any rookie in NFL history. He is an absolute beast with the ball. I don't think he's still, he's quite the best receiver in the NFL. I think Cooper Cup still has that one. Yeah. But this is a team where they look really good on offense and the defense is serviceable. Not fantastic, but serviceable. Um, out of the top five teams in the AFC, they have uh, the second best points against behind the Bills. And it's just one of those teams where you kind of feel that they believe in themselves for the first time in a long time. And that can be a dangerous team will come playoff time in best of ones. You know, a team that can believe that they can beat anybody very often will beat anybody. So I've got the Bengals for the AFC. I'm, I'm believing. Wow. You're, you're believing in the Bengals. I'm believing in the Bengals. Now wow. on the other side, I man, if we get the Super Bowl matchup, I would be so happy. I think the Arizona Cardinals are the real deal. I think, DeAndre, the offensive weapons that Kyler Murray now has. Thanks to Bill O'Brien, by the thanks way. To Bill, yes, thank you, Houston Texans former GM Bill O'Brien for your generous donation to the Arizona Cardinals. Right. For we got They got DeAndre Hopkins for absolutely nothing yep. in return. Kyler Murray, as, it, again, this is preface. I mean, you, you had this kind of preface with the Cowboys, so I'm going to keep it for the Cardinals. If, you, if Kyler Murray stays healthy, there is nothing that this man can't do yeah. with the football. He's quick. Yep. He's accurate. He will drop dimes on the run or in the pocket, and the receivers are just so good. Like, yeah. DeAndre Hopkins looks like he still is, you know, 25, and he's been playing for, what, almost a decade now? Because he's been—I think the reason for that is because D-Hop has been one of the most overlooked receivers because we were, we, everybody was talking about, oh, you have your uh, Julio Joneses, you yeah. have your Antonio Browns, you have your Odell Beckhams, who's overrated, and— DeAndre Hopkins hands the size of catcher's mitts and he doesn't miss no. with that ball. He mm -hmm. snags it. He brings in a fantastic route runner. And you know what? You know what the best thing about that is? He, in my opinion, could be like Larry. And with his style of playing wide receiver, he could be playing for a long time. Yeah. And I think that with Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray, the Arizona Cardinals were geniuses when they put Kyler Murray in his rookie year. And there was no debate because he got that experience being a rookie playing in the league. Yep. So he's like, okay, I'm going to have my ups and downs. And he did. And his second year, we were like, okay. Now we're just like, this kid is. He's the real deal. He's re he's, re he's the real deal. He's blowing stuff off mm -hmm. off the doors, man. He's, he's incredible. And I think, I, and I, I kind of feel embarrassed for overlooking Arizona, but I'm still sticking with my Cowboys because it's what you just said about Cincinnati in that. I think Dallas believes that they can beat oh, anybody, yeah. and they can. You watch Dak on the sideline, or you know, you watch him in Hard Knocks. Yeah, and he's got that same swagger about him, where he's like, "Man, put the ball in my hands, it's over." Yeah, and I, I 100% agree. Uh, let, let, let's go back to the your, to your AFC pick, and then then, <laughs> then we'll then we'll then we'll go back to the NFC. All right. The reason I don't want to give it all to Cincinnati, and uh -huh. it, it's not anything against them, it's just. Cincinnati, and but one thing you said, and I 100% agree with, 
when a team finally feels like in for so long that they've got a team, they will win. Because we saw what they did to Baltimore at home. And they, I'll be blew, honest, they blew them out. I was not going to pick the Bengals until this past game. And I don't blame Where I, I was like, wow, that yeah. is a team that can go into hostile territory against a good— It's not like they went into hostile territory against Miami— no, this was a, this is a AFC this know, is a, championship contender themselves. Yes, Baltimore, and absolutely put their foot on the gas in the second half and forty-one seventeen, ladies and gentlemen, forty-one seventeen, beat them the up. The first half looked kind of close. Yeah, not the second half. Beat them up. Yeah, beat them up. And I think the reason I just won't give it to Cincy is it's, it's ironic. It's the same thing with their with their college native. I need to see Cincy prove more. Now, if Cincy starts beating. Excuse me, and, and of course this is easy to say, but if since he starts going on a roll, then then yeah, I could see that. But we also need to see how Cincinnati fares in playoffs because another thing that also is a detriment to what you just said was yeah, if a team believes they could beat somebody, they can. But when a team hasn't been to the playoffs in so long, they get starstruck again and they don't know what they're doing. So we'll, we'll see what happens with Cincy. But to your NFC pick. Cardinals are amazing. I think that with them, you know, because the NFC West is always just such a dogfight. Oh yeah, the Rams are six and one. They're Rams, the you know, even the I mean, the Seahawks with Russell Wilson and the 49ers, once they get healthy, are you know dangerous. They'll take a game off of you. Yes. So you know, I we just got to keep seeing how the season goes. But I love I love Kyler Murray's play, and I just love how you can t- you can tell when a quarterback is comfortable. And it's kind of like back to what you said with Joe Burrow. He's comfortable. He's only been playing really what would you say like one and a half years technically since the rookie year was cut His short. Rookie year he played like not even half the season. I don't think so. And now so he's got almost a full season of games under his belt. Yeah. At this point. So you know, it's one of those things where it's just like. I'm impressed with him, but we just got to see where they keep going from here. It is, yeah, you do. I I am worried, and that's why I was kind of like, man, a young team come playoff time can struggle just because they haven't been there before, and everybody, I know it's cliche, but you talk about that veteran presence in the locker room, um, and when your leader is not even a full, you know, NFL season in, that can make things difficult, but... It was hard to pick an AFC team because I was with you on the Titans as well. I think uh, Derrick Henry is once again going to look like one of the top or the top rusher uh, in the NFL again because he's just a monster. Because it's Derrick Henry. He's Derrick Henry, and I mean, but even the Chargers, you know, they've had oh, a couple yeah. of couple of roadblocks, but they're two and zero in their division. They're four and two. They are hanging like just outside of um, playoff contention, and really, they're only one game back from the Raiders because of the bye week. No, you know, so without a doubt, the, the Chargers, Chargers with Justin Herbert, another rookie quarterback yep. who had who has proved himself this year from last year. Justin Herbert is a very special talent, and I think that with him and Keenan Allen and the Chargers, in my opinion, the Chargers are just a well put together team. In that they've got a good good quarterback, they've got a good receiving core. Everything about the Chargers, in my opinion, is good. It's nothing that you write home to your mom about. But they've got they got Bosa on defense. They've got. Herbert, they've got Keenan. They they're they're a solid team, and in that division, they could beat the Raiders. They can beat the Chiefs. They can do all of that stuff. So yeah, I I wouldn't count anybody out in the AFC. Okay. At, well, as far as like the Chargers go, yeah, it is. Uh, we're primed for a great second half of the season. There's going to be a lot of 
just like in college football, there's going to be a lot of movement back and forth. Um, there's a lot of games late in the season that are going to make a big difference in that you're going to want to watch and pay attention to. Yep. And uh, we will revisit this again down the road because I've got Bengals Cardinals and you've got Cowboys and Bills. I'm looking forward to seeing if either of those actually make the cut at the end of the day. Uh, don't go anywhere. Coming up next, we're going to have an interesting discussion about how we can sit here and criticize actual pro athletes. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the main event. Ryan Baldwin and Mason Shepard here still. And now we're going to talk about talking, which is something that we both enjoy doing. <laughs> Very much so. So, Mason, you were the one that kind of uh, brought up this topic with yeah. spitballing ideas. So why don't mm -hmm. you kind of lead us in here? Well, so basically, um, we all have those players in pro sports, whether it be pro football, pro basketball, pro baseball, um, that we will refer to them as trash. Oh, that guy's trash. That guy sucks. See, the, the interesting paradox and the irony of that is that it's we all hear the stat that, you know, only really less than 1% of all collegiate athletes go pro. And so my dad and I have always had that discussion of if a, if a guy is able to be a part of that 1% and go pro, can we really say he's trash even if he is sitting on the bench and even when he does come off the bench, he's not as good as everybody else? He's a pro athlete which is not something a lot of people can do because, yeah, it's easy for us to sit here and criticize it, which I think we have to give fans who actually know sports a little bit more credit on that because if you know sports, just because you don't play it doesn't make your opinion any less you know, creditable. But at the same time, what is the, what is the standard of limitation on that? How can we say, oh, this team or this person is trash when it's pro? Because I know we made the joke earlier earlier in the show that, you know, Coastal Carolina, you know, Detroit sucks. You know, Coastal Carolina could beat him. Obviously, Detroit is a professional team. They would whoop Coastal Carolina very bad. But where where is that line that we draw for ourselves as sports fans with the terminology we use? Can we really say someone's trash if they made it to be that 1%? I 100% agree with you, and I think this is why it's going to make a good topic. Because, look, I'm 5'9". I'm like 210 pounds. <laughs> there is exactly 0% chance that I could go out there and compete at any level above like Pop Warner football. <laughs> that would be the place that I shine. Pop Warner is the ref, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Pop, yeah I'd, be, I'd be your local Pop Warner ref. <laughs> and yet I want to do this as a profession where I sit here and critique and praise and stuff. And it's an interesting dilemma as you brought up you know it's it's not about what we say it's about how we say it because i think uh there is plenty of opportunities and room for criticism and critiques when done the right way you know if we sit here and say there's a difference between saying wow mccarthy is a piece of crap versus you know mccarthy is not good at time management which, which is he's, what he's shown yeah which is there's what, a complete he's not. difference in how you approach that yeah and I think the biggest problem that we see now with that is in social media. Anybody with a keyboard and a Twitter account can go and just say what 
whatever they want about athletes and organizations and coaches, and it's it's terrible. Yeah, but I just it, it's it's hard to figure out, you know, where that line is sometimes because, especially, I know I'm guilty of it during a Cowboys game where, you know, a, a ball hits CeeDee Lamb right in the hands. I'm like, CeeDee Lamb, what are you doing? Come yeah. on. Yeah, well, we all you know? do that. Yeah. And then it's another thing to sit here rationally afterwards and discuss, you know, okay, looking back after it, you know, maybe it could have been slightly better thrown. And, you know, like he's, he, if we say, how could you not catch that when I probably wouldn't even see the ball coming on my head? It's coming so fast before yeah, it hits you know, me in the hands. That's a part of it. It, it it's tough. And I do feel bad sometimes when pro athletes have to deal with this on a daily basis. I don't. And the reason being is because when you're a public figure, it's really no matter what you do, you're going to have people who have no idea what it's like. It's what it's like me wanting to be an actor. It's what it's like being an actor. It's what it's like making music. It's it's no different playing sports. You're going to get people who are knowledgeable about it but can't do it. Mm-hmm. And I think and they're going to criticize you because there are a lot of people think there are food critics they couldn't cook, and yet they are judging someone else's cuisine. So I think I, I, I never feel bad for them because, as I learned from my father, they're making millions of dollars, and they live better than most people do. But at the same time, I think um, I think when it comes to walking stuff back as far as, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't say what are you doing. No, you can say that, but at the same time, you have to. I think it's important to keep things in perspective. And I think when you talk about social media and people being able to sit behind keyboards and say what they think, I guess, or if we're being honest, what will get them the most attention, um, it, it, it just comes down to people know that the majority of athletes, unless you're Kevin Durant, by the way, uh, the majority <laughs> of athletes will not respond to that nonsense because they know it's just someone who's trying to – because. What is one thing that I know about sports uh, is that there are a lot of fans and fans is short for fanatical and that you can't tell me someone who was like, oh, man, C.D. Lamb, that was trash. If they ran into C.D. Lamb at going at the mall, they wouldn't just mark out and, oh, my God, it's C.D. Lamb. This is incredible. I think when it comes to people who trash people on social media who aren't like people who know about sports like you and I do or are major experts like a Skip Bayless or a Stephen A. Smith or played like a Shannon Sharp, I think it's really just people who seek attention. Because let's face it, whether it's a positive or a negative, having a conversation with an athlete is a dream for all of us. And I think when you are able to get that, whether hook or by crook, it doesn't matter how you get it. So you're going to say stuff like that. And like I said, unless it's Kevin Durant who makes burner accounts to say anything back to you, (laughs) that's one thing. But as far as like the terminology that we use, I honestly don't see anything wrong with it until we come to calling somebody trash. I think that's where it gets a little hazy because, again, like basketball is another great example. It's just like you have this guy, he can't hit a bucket from a side of a barn. He can't make a two with a pencil and paper. But he he is on a pro sports team. <laughs> He's on a pro sports team. I'm dying over it. I can't make a number two with a pencil and paper. That's great. <laughs> but, you know, uh, it's a family saying, a shepherd family saying. But, oh. you know, seriously, you have these you have these guys that are pro athletes. Can we call them trash if they are that 1%? I, 
I, I don't think you can use the word trash. And here, I mean, there's a, probably, and it depends too. I mean, if you say, wow, he's playing like garbage, that's basically the same thing, except you're saying that in that current moment he is. And he might be. Yeah. If a guy is 0 for 15 shooting from, you know, uh, the field in basketball. Oh, that's bench warming material. He's, that's water He is playing like garbage. Yes. Is he actually trash? No. You know, everybody has an off night. Um, it's just, again, how you say things is, I think, more important than what you're actually saying a lot of the times. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, okay, for example, okay, let's let's assume he's with the Cowboys still, but we, we know he's not. Ben DiNucci, right? Mm -hmm. He made it to the pros, but he sucks. But, but right there, could you say, since he made it to the pros, that he sucks? Could you say that he's I, trash? Um, I mean, you could say it, it depends, because if you're just saying he sucks, he sucks, he sucks, then... That's one thing, but if you're kind of going like, you know, he obviously cannot compete at a professional level. He sucks at professional football. That's completely different because he had a, a decent uh, career over at what? James Madison, I think it was. <laughs> Who cares? George Washington. It was one of the presidents in Who college. Who cares? It was Abe Lincoln. Jesus. He had, he had a respectable career in college, but yeah. I think it's fair to say that he sucks at a professional level. Even if he made it, like compared to professional quarterbacks, I think it's fair to say he sucks. Yeah, and but but that's what I'm saying. I think that's where we're getting in this conversation is, is it's like what we said earlier. Playing at a high school level is different than playing on a college level. Playing at a professional level is different than playing at a college level. You, Jimmer Fredette, he is terrible at a professional level in basketball, but he was making threes from half court, Steph Curry style, <laughs> at BYU in college. So I think it is fair to say, sorry, athletes, but I think we've come to the conclusion that it is fair to say that on a professional level – that you are not good at a professional level. Yeah. And I think that's fair to say. Sure. Now, if you say trash, like you said, then no, because he was able to make it to that professional. Or, he or she, there we go, mm -hmm. was able to make it to a professional level in sports. Agreed. But I think if you say he's not or she's not good at a professional level, you can say that. Because if they're not good, they're not good. I'm sorry, I'm not going to walk it back for Andy Dalton or Jay Cutler <laughs> and say that they're good at professional levels because they're not. I, I don't even think Jay Cutler was good at a collegiate level, but you know, it it just turns into one of those things where it's like you kind of have to. And these are sports fans, so is anybody really going to do this? I doubt it. I don't even think we will after having this conversation. Is anybody really going to monitor that? No. But is it a, another thing for sports fans to think about? I think so. Well, I think monitoring it is uh something that is done by platform, right? Like if we were just here trash talking and saying all kinds of terrible things about the UNT football team every day, day in and day out, I think somebody would come in and be like, "Hey guys, come on, like, <laughs> that, that's that's not cool." Yeah. Um, and like for example, Twitter users, Twitter has the ability to monitor and moderate what's going on to an extent, but I think uh, especially with social media. Athletes should know by now, especially on social media, people are going to absolutely tear into you. Like, that is now part and parcel of being a pro athlete or being somebody recognizable or of celebrity status in today's uh, environment is if you have social media, people are going to trash talk you whenever you do something bad. People are going to trash talk you whenever you do something good, too. It's just yeah, exactly. there, there's no way around He's it. He's talking to you, but, Kevin Durant. <laughs> but professional athletes... Now, you have a choice. Either get off social media 
or accept the fact that people are going to trash talk you for no reason or some reason and move on with it. Like but you are definitely talking to Kevin Durant Na- right now. Well, na- even you know Naomi Osaka dropped out of a tournament because of but that, pe- but that, stuff no, no, people but see that, that, media. that that's different because with Naomi Osaka you have to remember. Okay, for one, she's not thirty five years old like Kevin Durant. No, for one, she's still a teenager. And I think with even Naomi Osaka, I think it's okay. And it, you, this turned into this conversation, which I'm glad it is okay for an athlete to realize that their mental health is more important. I agree. And. With Naomi Osaka, I know people are split on the Simone Biles thing, but with Naomi Osaka, I think it was fine for her to be like, you know what, if you're just going to go ahead and, you know, find me and ban me from a tournament that I'm just not going to show because my mental health is important and I need to learn how to deal with things on my own and in my own way because I'm still growing as a person. With Kevin Durant, if you're going to get in fight with people who write articles and people who call you soft, mentally or you know movie people like michael rapaport if you're gonna get into horrible because you saw what he said to mm. michael rapaport yeah the reason i'm making all these durant jokes is not just to attack him but it's simply because he is one of those examples of athletes who just need to accept that not everybody's going to like what you do and you're going to have people who talk trash about you and yeah some people may go there and get personal like a charles barkley or a Shaq or a shannon sharp and call you soft but at the same time Learn how to deal with it, man, and learn how to move forward because that's the difference. That's why I'm saying there's a difference because with Naomi Osaka, she's learning how to move forward in her own way at her own pace in her own time. Sure, but if it would, if she cites social media being an issue like she did as part of her mental health, she still has all her social media accounts. Yeah. You have the opportunity to remove yourself from social media, and nobody really cares. Like, is Durant all of a sudden going to be a less popular player because he's not on Twitter? No. Who cares? Who cares if you have a Twitter when you're a professional athlete or an Instagram or whatever? It's a way to reach more people. Yeah. But if you're at the top of your craft, like Durant, LeBron, uh, Tom Brady, Naomi Osaka, any of these people that are winners and... Is the Twitter what what does Twitter do for you other than expose it's, it's, you? It's branding. It's branding. It's branding. Again, and branding is very brand. important. Yes, do you, you you do. Does Kevin Durant need more branding than what he has? Now? I mean, no one can say that anybody needs more branding, but at the same time, you you have to have it. Yeah. And and I think for you know, I get the point that you're making, but you see, for social media platforms. Uh, for especially with a professional athlete and even in an everyday person in Instagram, for example, which is what Naomi Osaka says she uses the majority of the time. That is a way for you to express yourself, maybe off the court to reach more people. Maybe that's just for a way for you to express who you are. There are people like uh, who are professional athletes like, you know, Cena, who John Cena, who just post random memes and pictures because they believe that. Instagram is just supposed to be a platform where you can post something and people can make what they want out of it. It it, it does depend how you use it. And yeah, people are going to think it's you're you're sensitive or you shouldn't have it, but at the same time, I think it, it's very important in the sense of and it's not even just about reaching fans, but if and and plus she said this, if Naomi Osaka is more comfortable reaching fans through an Instagram than than a press conference, then so be it. I think at the end of the day, we have to remember athletes are human beings too. This is Marshawn Lynch kind of all over again in the sense of, and I mean, he wasn't wrong, you know, in the sense of, yeah, he's there so he doesn't get fined, which was true. It was just a very blunt way to put it. And 
I think at the end of the day, yeah, you know, talking to the media, being open to criticism, that is part of your job as being an athlete. I'm not taking anything yeah. away from you saying that. But I do think that there are athletes who oh, – not even just say there are athletes. Athletes have the right to respond to that the way they see fit, and if it's healthy at least. And, again, the reason I would still put Osaka ahead of Durant in that regard is because at least she's stepping away. You know, you can talk about – getting rid of social medias, at least she's staying off of it. It's still active, but she's not on it. Durant... As will, far as we see. As far as we see, yeah, of course. You know, she may go on there, check a story, whatever. Durant hunts people. You don't make 15, and I'm exaggerating, obviously, hyperbole, but you don't make numerous burner accounts to see what people are saying about you to go attack them without them knowing that it's you. That's sad. And that's when I get to your point of like, well, do you need a Twitter? Do I think Kevin Durant needs social media? No. But that's just because I don't think Kevin Durant, and I'm not assaulting him, it's just through what he has shown through his behavior doesn't seem like he is capable of handling any of the things that you're talking about as far as criticisms and questioning and people just not being a fan. He, he can't handle that. So again, it it it's one of those things where social media is actually hurting his brand. No, he's hurt, no, he's hurting on, himself. Yes, well, but he's doing it through social media. That's still on him. That, right. You can't the, blame the platform. No, but he should be the one to delete it. Then he needs to be the one to recognize. You can't like I said, that's what I'm saying now. Athletes in modern times, ten years ago, when the platform is still kind of when Twitter is still kind of growing. Yeah, I get that. You know, but athletes today should understand by now that having a social media account will open you up to this. And if you can't handle it, don't go on social media. Yeah. It's that simple. I in my opinion, because I, I like I said, it this Twitter has been around and popular for a long time now. There's no more pretense about oh well, I what didn't it know. is. Yeah, and, I didn't yeah, know yeah. it was gonna be like this. And yeah. I didn't know that some random dude that's, you know, 300 pounds and balding sitting behind a keyboard is going to be able to type out that I'm the worst tennis player that ever lived and, you know, that I should go home and not play anymore. Like, oh, like, oh no. Everybody knows what social media is now. There's good and there's bad. Yeah. But the bad shines through a lot worse. Yeah. But like I said, when it comes to a Naomi or even a Simone, but more so a Naomi because this is more social media based. She is still someone who is growing up. I don't even think she's reached 20 yet. Maybe she has. I don't know. But she, again, that's why I brought up the difference. She's not 35 years old like Kevin Durant. He, I agree. He should know this. Because beyond him being older and being a veteran in his sport, he's a, he's a grown man. And he should know how to handle it. I think I will give you Osaka just because... She wasn't necessary. I mean, she was kind of an up and comer, but she didn't really blow up until that big tournament win over um, uh, Serena Williams. Yeah. So the amount of fame she got was very quick. But I still think, like, if you're going to be an athlete on social media, that should be a given now. That yeah. And she's people, 24. Yeah. I, I give her that. She's 24. So and that that means she's been on Twitter. Let's let's be real. She's 24. Yeah. She's been she's on Twitter yeah. since she was probably 15, 16 years More old. More than likely. She knows what Twitter's about. She's not new to Twitter. But then again, I, I she just She grew think, up in the internet age. I just think people cope with things differently. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you. You can't handle it. Don't use it. But exactly. at the same time, if using it is important to you, then you just have to learn how to handle it. And I think that's what she's doing. Mm -hmm. She's learning how to handle it. It may not be the best but she's learning and i think that again that's why i give her more credit to kevin because kevin's not changing right he's not trying to learn 
she is trying to figure out what's the best way I can deal with this. How can I not let it affect me so much? How can I really just, you know, get used to this? Mm -hmm. And it's going to take her a while, but I think she can do it. And I just, I can't come down hard on her for that because mental health is, and see, that's the thing with Kevin, it's just pride. It's not mental health. Yeah. Her, it's mental health. It's something that she's just trying to really work through. And maybe she hasn't had a chance to because she's been too busy traveling the world and winning tournaments. <laughs> so. Oh no. The horror. Exactly. You know. It's a, I, I think we could both agree that it's a tricky spot to be in, um, both as individuals uh, and athletes, you know, analysts and athletes. Yeah, there's no easy answer to it. There's no and as especially as social media continues evolving and athletes and analysts are still trying to figure out how to navigate it better and use it better. Yeah, there's going to be that growing pain of athletes are going to have a hard time dealing with it. Some are because that's just it. It, it hurts. I'm sure it does. Um, but we and you know, that's not going to stop me from doing my job if you say or if you are playing bad. I'm not going to not say that you weren't playing bad. Yeah. That's I, I I that is my job is to critique as a student of multiple sports that's played sports multiple years. Yeah. Well, I, and it's kind of like what you said earlier. Critiquing is critiquing, but being ruthless is being ruthless and that's a difference. Agreed. That was a good segment. I like that segment. That's good talk. Yeah. I like words. Yeah. Coming up next, our last segment is going to be the great contract debates. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the main event. Still Ryan Baldwin. Still Mason Shepard. You know it. Still having a great time talking sports and all things sports adjacent, as my wife likes to call it. Yep. For our next sports adjacent topic, contracts and walkouts, Mason. Yeah. Now, maybe it's just the advent of the internet and the availability of information, but I feel like holdouts and, you know, a Ben Simmons, Le'Veon Bell type situation where, or Deshaun Watson where it's like, I'm not going to play for you. It, it's becoming more prevalent. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like power has shifted a bit more over to the players in that aspect because the players, especially when you've already made quite a bit of money. Yeah. Um, Like Deshaun Watson already has guaranteed money on his contract, right? So he's, he's like, got a lot guaranteed. He's got a lot of guaranteed money and he doesn't have to play no and so he's like you know what i don't want to play for houston anymore and houston has to sit there and go well i either got to pay you or get you out of here somehow to some team that's going to play yeah and i think the copious amounts of money that are going into these contracts now is a big factor in that right because yeah. ben simmons held out for a little bit this season and then once he started getting fined he was like well, you know, they're finding me like $350,000 a day every time I don't show every up. Every time maybe, I don't maybe, show up, I'm losing should, money. Yeah, maybe I should actually show up to, to these games because I don't know how long I can uh, keep this going. So yeah, I feel like overall power is in the hands of the players again because we see a lot more uh, holdouts. Um, yeah, which I like. I like that the power is in the hands of the players. But see, I think there comes a point where you're like, man, like, is it is it really a you signed this contract? 
to play for this team for X number of years. You signed the contract. Is it fair, barring gross misconduct, is it fair for a player to go like, you know what, I just don't like it here anymore. I don't want to play here anymore. Yeah, in my opinion, because, listen, man, why do we play sports? That's to win. Oh. <laughs> well, well, Winning well, is well, fun. Well, 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 that's why we play it. Winning is fun. We know we're not going right. to NFL or NBA. Um, but no, seriously, you play sports to win, okay? And the, the other way of doing that, they I mean, Barry Sanders and my, my cousin Calvin Johnson, they stopped playing for Detroit because they knew they weren't going to win, so they just retired. That and injuries, but really it's because Detroit was never going to win anything. Sure. And I think it's okay for, like, look, and this is by anything in life, anybody is capable of taking something for granted, okay? Anybody's capable of being like, Man, we've got the power as players. I don't have to do it. You say I can just not show up. Anybody can do that. And is it fair? No. But at the same time, I prefer that than the owners telling them what to do, when to do, how to do it, when to do it, like it used to be. I like the fact that players have a lot of control. And, yes, I don't see anything wrong with a player being like, look, we're not winning. I don't want to show up. I don't want to play here anymore. Because, Ryan, if we can be honest about, well, this player needs to leave, why can't they? I get it because we didn't sign the contract and we have the right to say what we want, respectfully, of course. But at the same time, why do they have to be like, oh, my God, I signed this contract. It means I have to keep my mouth shut about this team I'm playing for, even though I don't really want to be here. I don't disagree with them voicing an opinion about I don't want to be here. But So why shouldn't they enact on not being there? Now, no, no. If, if I get signed on to do this podcast for a job, which is not like this is not a paid thing. But if KNTU said, hey, we want you to do 10 podcasts for us, and I sign that contract, and then five podcasts through, I go, you know what? This isn't fun. I'm not winning, per se, by doing these podcasts. How do you win a podcast, by right? We're, we're winning right now, Mason. I'm telling you right now. We're... But uh, if, I, like, if I just say, no, I'm not going to do it, you know what they're going to do? They're going to come at me and be like, okay, either we sue you for breach of contract. Yeah. Or you do your five podcasts. And at that point, me as a broke college student goes, you know what? Getting sued does not sound like fun. Yeah. So I'm going to do my podcast. So but what what is it? Is it just because they're professional players and they have the money that they can hold out? And how is that fair versus like, you know, there's a bunch of people that get into contracts every day. So I don't think it's fair. If you sign the contract, and again, there are some cases where, you know, the organization has just treated you awfully or you've put your heart and soul. And then, you know, I don't necessarily disagree with Deshaun Watson holding out. The GM basically blew up the team, traded away your only weapon, and did nothing to rebuild the team around you. I can see that kind of situation where you're like, you know what, I signed this contract with the expectation that we would work together to win because that's what we do in the NFL. Yes. Like you said. Once that goes out the window, I can see that. But in Philadelphia, Ben Simmons has all the pieces he needs around him to win. They were leading. They were the top team. The 76ers were the top team in the East last year. Yeah. So for him to go like, well, you know, I don't like playing with Embiid and, and Doc Rivers. And they said mean things at the end of the year last year. You know, just because you don't get along with somebody doesn't mean you get to just not show up to work. No, no. See, this is the thing. See, I'm glad you brought this up. No. Deshaun Watson, before he blew his life up, um, you know, that situation with Deshaun in, in, in Houston, that's the situation I was talking about where mm -hmm. I have no problem with that. Where it's like, look, we're not winning, and I was, this contract promised me that we were going to work together to win, and we're not doing that, so I want out. I got no problem with that. 
I oh, low key don't have a problem with Aaron Rodgers when he was doing it, you know, before the season started when he was like, listen, you brought someone in to replace me, one. Two, you haven't built around me anything because you're still preparing him to take my place. So I'm done. But when you have someone who is, as, I'm just going to say it, as unlikable as Ben Simmons is, and he's very <laughs> unlikable, as someone, you know, even Kyrie, you know, but the, for COVID nonsense, people who are just holding out because they just, no, I agree. Now, that's where I will agree with you. People who hold out because they don't want to do something, then, then yeah, then that's when it gets ridiculous. But like I said, anybody is capable of doing something like that, and especially with with what you said with Ben Simmons, yeah, it's ridiculous. Now I'm going to hold out not because they're not paying me because they are. I'm going to hold out because I don't like the team that I'm on. I don't like the players that I'm playing with. So, no. Yes, that is ridiculous. Um, How do you feel about players that are holding out for more money? Because that's one of those ones that gets me like, unless... If they deserve it, I don't see the problem. <laughs> But the, again, how do you judge what they deserve, right? Like by performance. Again, but so uh, does Dak deserve Patrick Mahomes' money because he hasn't won two? Now he's doing really well. He definitely deserves the money. No, that he's no, now. Dak doesn't but deserve he, Mahomes' money. He hasn't went to a Mahomes Super Bowl and won a Mahomes ring. Right. But at the same time, Dak was and is the driving force of that team and has gotten right. Dallas to the playoffs before in his rookie year and has. I would say kept Dallas's head above water sometimes, you know, give or take the last few seasons. But no, and plus Dak, as we've talked about before, is a very clutch player, and you pay your clutch players. And I think Dak has worked hard and earned the money he's getting now. But no, I wouldn't give him Mahomes money. But at the same time, what Dak is getting is should be expected because he's earned it. He's earned the money he's getting paid now. Agreed, but suppose he thought he deserved Mahomes' money. Well, then no. That was like the Le'Veon Bell deal, right? From Is that he thought he deserved more money than he was being offered, and I think based on the rest of his career since then, you could argue that the Steelers were right. Well, not even just but, that. Le'Veon Bell is an off-the-field problem. Right. He can't stay out of trouble, and it's usually with, with drugs. He can't stay off trouble. He right. can't stay out of trouble. And he's he was injury-prone when he was playing. Right. So, But then do you agree that somebody can hold out for something that they— I feel like it's okay to hold out. Um, I think, personally, on something like that, you, if you want to hold out and not show up for you know practices and stuff um, because you feel like you deserve more money, more power to you, but at that point, the team should be like, all right, well, then I don't have to pay you. I still think the team should, outside of guaranteed money, I still think the team should have the option of just not paying you if you don't show up because you're breaching your contract by not showing up. Yeah, I think, and, and see, this is one of those things where we look at it from more of a legal than a social standpoint in terms of contracts. Yes, legally speaking, if you don't do everything that you are contractually obligated to do, then yeah, a team should have the right to stop paying you. But I think what stops that from happening in sports is because morally, you know, because you can hear the fans say, it. well, he's got a point, you know, they didn't build anything around him. Why would he? And I think when it comes down to because let's face it, OK, in a situation like Kyrie, and, you know, we're not going to discuss politics, maybe once or twice, but we're not going to discuss politics. But the thing with Kyrie and the covid vaccine 
and the the idea that the team could stop paying him because he's not showing up and doesn't want to do what the team has mandated him to do, right? Contractually obligated, right? Mm -hmm. But because that goes against some personal belief that he has, if a team stopped paying him because of that, that makes them look bad. Regardless of what, you know, legally, what the law says with contracts, if they stop paying him because of the belief of against COVID vaccines that he has, that makes the next look bad because it makes it seem like, oh, so you're persecuting him for what he believes in. That's wrong. And I, again, I'm not disagreeing with you in the legal sense, but I'm just saying there is a bit of moral, I guess you could say, perspective that does get applied to these cases. Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, and, you know, their teams did them wrong. That's a, that's a more of an emotional, moral response than, well, he didn't produce, so I'm not paying him. That's a stat response. But an emotional response is, no, the teams did them wrong. Bill O'Brien got rid of D-Hop for David Johnson, and they haven't built anything around Houston. He has the right to go. Aaron Rodgers is threatened to get replaced for no reason. He has the right to not show up. But when it gets to the ridiculous, like Ben Simmons not wanting to play, then yeah, they can fine him, which is good because that shows that teams will still have control. But when you're talking about, oh, I'm just not going to pay you. Now, again, Ben Simmons is different than all three of those cases because he's just being a chump and not showing up because he doesn't want to. Right. Then yeah, the, the Sixers should stop paying him. I got no problem with that. Because if you don't want to do your job because you just don't want to, then get out of the league, buddy. I'm sorry. But when it's like, oh, they stopped paying him because he believes in something that's dear to him, even though, you know, some people disagree, it's it's a little skewed in the public view. I see what you—yeah, I'm picking up what you're putting down there. I yeah. Just, it's, it's a sticky situation, especially with a lot of money yeah. being thrown around. Like, if it was, you know, 500K— Entry level contract for some bench player. Everyone's like, eh, eh, who cares? But because it's a bench player, yeah, yeah. Once you start hitting the big money contracts where a lot of money gets thrown around and a lot of money's guaranteed, I think the holdout becomes a much bigger deal. And especially because now you look at the Texans and they're like, well, he doesn't want to play here. If we don't trade him by next Wednesday, we're on the hook for, or, or uh, then we have to figure it out in the offseason. Otherwise, we're on the hook for another $30 million to pay him for to not play. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's one of those things like where the Texans could get terribly put on the wrong side of things by not being able to get rid of him if they, you know, but a part of that's on him because they could trade him for less, but yeah, it just, I, I, it, I think it's a weird spot to be put in when you're, stuck between a rock and a hard place where you're like, he's not going to play. No. And I have to pay him if I can't get rid of him, but yeah. I can't get rid of him because I want to make sure I get my return on investment because I invested a lot in this guy to get him in the first place. Well, also there's, um, and you know, we're trying to avoid it, but there's, there's legal stuff surrounding him too. Yes. And I think one of the, the things, and I may be wrong, someone can fact check me, but I think one of the things that was kind of a mandate was he's not really allowed to leave Houston right now because there's an investigation going on. So, I mean, it's been going on, but you know what I mean. I don't yeah. think he's really allowed to go anywhere else. But even beyond that, uh, with with the NFL and with you know the Texans, their problem is when it comes to the the Deshaun thing is that, yeah, you know. But see, I this is where Houston is still at fault because Houston 
chose to say, no, we're, you're not going anywhere. You're our star. Until this legal thing with Deshaun started happening, they were dead set. He's not going anywhere. We're keeping him. But now that they see this could look bad if we put because let's face it, he doesn't want to play, and it would look bad if they put him on the field anyway. Oh, absolutely. So, they, but see, that's where I blame. Of course, they wouldn't have known because nobody knew until the news came out. No. But at the same time, they were the ones that were dead set on keeping him. So now, honestly, if they get stuck with him next Wednesday, I don't really bad on him because they wanted to keep him because they didn't want it to let him go because they were afraid he was going to make somebody else's team better, and they really have nobody to blame for themselves because, but themselves because they let Bill O'Brien be a moron and get rid of prime targets. They let the team fall apart. That's on them. I can't feel bad for them at that point, especially when Deshaun's own personal life has got them, like you said, because let's face it, because it's it's bad on both accounts. Because if Deshaun Watson, he may not even want to be traded anymore strictly because nobody's going to pay him $30 million anymore. That stock lowered because of legal crap. Well, that stuff went down. I mean, he, he's he got guaranteed money. That's my he's point. He's got that guaranteed. Well, so he's going to get that money either way unless he, like, all of a sudden becomes criminal, and then maybe the Texans can get out of paying him if he's not available to the team. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's just... But that's a hard situation. It's, and I and, think and I feel like every holdout is a tough situation, you know? And it it's really kind of one of those ones where it's... You said it's a morally gray area, and I think that's on both sides. Like, you know, some of us are going to agree with people holding out, and some of us are going to be like, what are you doing? Just get out there and, and play, like with the Ben Simmons thing. We're all like, we're we're like yeah you don't want to play with them because you, you you not everybody on every team gets along yeah no N- not everybody has OKC. a great time no they no. don't yeah Harden Durant and Westbrook did not care for each other all that much when they were playing together no because they were the same type of player they're selfish scorers yeah and there's plenty of evidence throughout history I mean nobody liked playing with Michael Jordan right. Well, because Michael Jordan's not really likable. The documentary showed, The Last Dance showed that nobody really enjoyed him as a teammate. No! But he got the job done, and people wanted to play with him because they knew he would win. Yes. And he knew, like, everybody knew that he could teach them and take them to a championship. But he was not an objectively good teammate. Or, but you or didn't a person, see, but yeah. you didn't see those guys back then. You well, didn't see Scotty. Uh, Scotty Pippen did hold out, but that was because he didn't feel he could get enough money. You didn't see Dennis Rodman holding out because they didn't like playing with Michael Jordan. Because I think, and this is where we get. This is where again, ladies and gentlemen, one thing we will do here on the main event is we will talk about how society and sports are related because sports is more than what happens on the field or the court. Yep. The thing with Michael Jordan was, and because that was the generation, because back then. I'm not trying to say anything, but back then, the guys were not thinking, well, I have to like the people I'm playing with uh, because that helps me, you know, as a society or socially or whatever. They were thinking, because they had had the intestinal fortitude, they were like, look, I'm going to be man enough to say that I think you're a jerk to your face, but I won't mind playing with you because it will get me where I want to be. I think you're a jerk, but I can tell you that. Or I can think that because let's forget if you told Michael that he wouldn't want to play with you and what Mike said would go. But at the same time, they could still be like, I hate Jordan. I don't want to play with him, <laughs> but he wins. So I'm going to, you know what I mean? But I think that's just where the society is, where we're more like, 
We want to be liked. Where back then, we're like, I don't care if you like me or not. As long as you come to this team to win, I think that's why as the times got older and someone like Kobe was around, that's why, rest in peace to him, that's why Kobe got the flack that he did. I mean, he was a selfish player. That, that That's a fact. Oh, yeah. But I think the fact, because that's how it was back then. And I think with Kobe, him having that mentality of, I don't really care if you like me as long as you come here and you're ready to play and win basketball games. I don't care about anything else. That mentality was looked at as he's a jerk as a teammate because he wasn't trying to force camaraderie on people because he wasn't even forcing camaraderie on people when he was there in the in the mid to late 90s with Shaq. Right. Because he was, didn't care about that. And I think that's just the difference, man. It's kind of like what old guys talk about as far as like being friends. You know how many friends there are on the opposite teams in, yeah. in sports these days? I see it all the time. Old guys in sports hate that. They hate it. They hate seeing that. They hate seeing guys exchange jerseys. I've heard a lot of them talk about that. Like a Charles Oakley, I think even Shannon Sharp talked about it one time. They hate seeing guys, oh, okay, you exchange some jerseys? All right, bet. They hate seeing the NFL guys, the NBA guys be friends because it ruins the idea of we're playing to win. We're not we're not playing to do anything else but win. And I think that's just the times. I think the reason we are where we are with like Ben Simmons holding out Duda, not liking the people he's playing with, is just a difference in the way the game is played. Because nowadays it's just if I don't like who I'm playing with, I'm out. Right. Instead of back then where it's like, I think you're a jerk, but I'm going to play with you because you win. It's tough. It's one of those other morally gray areas like we talked about last. Uh... Last segment with the words that we use where yeah. there's not like a clear right or wrong to this one. And every holdout is going to be different. Yeah. And people are going to side differently with different holdouts. And, you know, a lot of people were thinking that Zeke was when Zeke held out and wasn't going to get paid. It was like, yeah. eh, but, you know, a lot of people thought Dak deserved his money, too. And it's not going away. That's pretty clear. Oh, no. are, it, 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 We've it, gone it, too far now. It's never going to go away. Anytime big money is like this, there, there's no chance that it's going to go away anytime soon. Nope. Um, or that it's going to, you know, all of a sudden disappear overnight because obviously players unions aren't going to be the ones that are going to, like, get rid of contract disputes and arbitration yeah, exactly. and all that stuff. So, no, but, it, we're, we're too far past this point. This is just something we're going to have to get yeah. used to. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we want to thank you very much for watching the main event. It's been a fantastic first show. Mason, I'm looking forward to a lot more of these. Oh man, this this was a good time. Time flew by. This is gonna be this is gonna be this is gonna be something you people want to listen to. Listen, not watch, Ryan. Listen to it. <laughs> you don't want to see our faces anyway. Just hear our lovely voices. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh big thanks to KNTU for letting us use the green room studio here and for hosting our podcast at KNTU.com. Big, fantastic shout-out to Mark and Dan, the station managers. Love all the opportunities they're giving to us. We are going to be broadca uh, recording next Wednesday again. Yep. Uh, so we will have another episode for you next Wednesday. Love y'all. For Mason Shepard, I'm Ryan Baldwin. Have a great night. <laughs>